and more and more uncomfortable as you start to go through jobs and predictably things start to go wrong and you start to doubt yourself. Like, should, should we have even done this or is this something that we got to bail? But by that time, I was neck deep. There was no getting out. It was swim or, or, or drown. I have a very interesting guest today here on the Bring on Success program. His name is Lee Roth, and he is from Lord's Chimney. That's right. He's a chimney guy. The reason why I wanted him on the program today is because he has one of those stories. And when I heard the story, this is no joke. When I heard the story, I'm like, I need to have you on my Bring on Success program. And I was talking to Lee, not about that originally, but I'm like, that's a crazy good story. Lee, welcome to the program. Hello. It's great to have you here. So you were telling me the other day about the genesis of the chimney business for you. I don't even know if it was called Lord's Chimney to begin with. Can you tell us the story, like you told me the other day, about going all the way back to school at U of H and the entrepreneurship program and how you got to almost 20 years later now in this business? Yes. Well, I was a student at the entrepreneurship department at the U of H. It's an undergrad degree. It's now Wolf Center of Entrepreneurship. But I, we have to do a business plan. And often it's a two-year process of picking a plan, coming up with expenses, coming up with business plans. You have to do five years of performa kind of projections. And my original business idea was a restaurant with a brewery attached to it. And towards the end, when you started doing feasibility studies, I needed like $13 million to start it. Oh, my gosh. And no one's going to give a 20-something-year-old who's never run a restaurant $13 million. So I had to come up with a different plan. So I'm looking, and I have weeks now to get a business plan in. So I'm looking for a cheat code, something to make this easy. And my dad was an HVAC guy who worked for a company that had chimney as part of what they did in their slow season. So I asked him, just basically give me numbers. I just need this to get a grade, to put in a business plan. I'll present it. I'll get my grade. I'll move on. So I got it together. It looked good. I presented it. I sat back down. The guy behind me mm -hmm. says, you really want to do that? And I kind <laughs> of goofing off, say, sure. Yeah, I want to do it. He goes, all right, I got a job for you tonight. Let's, you know, let's, I'll introduce you to them. And I thought we were going out drinking, going out what, what college kids do. So I meet him at the address, dressed to go to a, a club. A club. A <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I was anticipating because I thought he was messing with me. So I show up and it's a big house in the Heights. And he says, okay, let me introduce you to a customer. And that's the moment where I started to go, I'm in trouble because I know nothing about this chimney thing. I've never done it. I've never seen it. I've never been educated, nothing. So basically so, you were thrown into the deep end of the pool. Of course. Yeah. I was thrown into the abyss mm -hmm. of ignorance. But the one thing I've always been able to do is sort of talk. So <laughs> talk your way, talk your way out of it or into it. Correct. Yeah. Well, no, this, this was me trying to talk my way out of this really, because <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. So customer says I have six fireplaces, I don't know, six or seven. I want them all removed and I want to relocate all this because we're gutting this house and it's a historic house. And I want to put like 10 back in. Mm. So me not wanting to admit ignorance, I said, fine, if you have the budget, we can do it. Sure. So I go back out and I have to walk across the street, by the way, because there's no cell phones at this time. Walk across the street to a payphone, call my dad, 
and say, hey, this is what's going on. And he kind of laughed. You know, what do I bid? He goes, okay, bid X. And I don't remember exactly what it was, 150 grand or something. I don't remember the exact numbers. Um, and I said, okay, so I wrote it on a piece of notebook paper. And I went back to the homeowner because his exact words were, go ahead and bid this. She'll for sure, for sure say no. And then we can move on. So I go up to the customer and I say, okay, this is what it's going to cost. And she says, okay, can I give you 50% now? Absolutely, ma'am. And that was my response of, okay. <laughs> and then the next problem is she said, who do I write the checkout to? Wow. So I, I, I went and once again, just made something up. She wrote me a check. That was our beginnings of our first truck out of that first check. First truck first, uh, eventually website, eventually more stuff, but that's how we got into the business. So that was the seed money for the truck and the website and anything early on in Lord's chimney. Absolutely. And the funny thing was, is at that point I was working a full-time job and going to school full-time. So I convinced her that we could work at night to get out of the way of other contractors. Cause honestly, that's the only time I had, of course, the problem was the first time I got to the job site, I didn't know this. There was no power. Oh, so it was pitch black. This was a three-story house, you know, with rotted floors. So we had headlamps on and it took us way too long, but we managed to gut through it and we figured it out. And that's the start of our company. You know, that was a while ago, you said, and um, if it were today, you would have some pictures and video maybe. I bet you don't have any shots of that, do you, pal? No, there was oh. no uniforms. This was just <laughs> this make was it work. Uh, I would love to see a picture of you over 20 years ago in that situation. That takes a lot of guts, but sometimes it's not guts because when someone pushes you off the cliff and you have that parachute, you're like, well, I'm going down. I may as well just pull the cord. I mean, you don't have much of a choice. So otherwise you go splat. Yeah, this was I didn't want to embarrass myself, basically. So there was a whole lot of asking my dad, who never worked in the chimney industry, only worked in HVAC. You know, and I managed to figure out, I actually, before we did the job, went and got nationally certified. There's a National Chimney Sweep Training School in Indianapolis. I went there because I. the first thing I said is, okay, I do not want to burn down somebody's house. Mm -hmm. So it was just about, I got to educate myself fast. And the one thing I knew is how to learn, how to take classes, how to listen. And, you know, the military taught me well. Um, so that's a process. Open up instruction manuals and just pour over them. Highlighters, because I did not want to hurt somebody. And figured out, hey, I'm I could be good at this. Tell me about that first experience and how it changed the way you think when you go into other situations or projects. And what I mean by that is you jumped into the deep end. You were pushed off the cliff. Mm -hmm. You were very uncomfortable. And we keep hearing from great people. We'll see it all the time on social media. You know, if if, if you want to be great, you need to get into an uncomfortable situation. Do you continue to do that now? Absolutely. If you're, cause now I've gotten to the point where if it's not uncomfortable, I think something's wrong, mm -hmm. but that I was forced into. So that was my initiation, my baptism into <laughs> the, the fire of that, but it was an opportunity. And I think a lot of people have opportunities, stare them in the face and they don't take it. They would look at someone and say, oh, yeah, I don't do that. Or I wasn't prepared for this. For me, it was just go. And incredibly uncomfortable. And more and more uncomfortable as you start to go through jobs. And predictably, things start to go wrong. And you start to doubt yourself. 
Like, should, should we have even done this? Or is this something that we got to bail? But by that time, I was neck deep. There was no getting out. It was swim or, or, or drown. But Lee, here's what I like about that story. You were so young. You didn't have any assets, I'm sure, that could have been seized in case something went wrong. You're, in all fairness, you're really a kid still. You're 20. You're not even 21 at this point. If something had gone wrong, slap on the wrist, and you learn a huge lesson, and maybe the homeowner did as well. But that shouldn't stop people who are listening to this to become uncomfortable. I love when people become uncomfortable. If you're sitting in the audience and there's 150 people in that room and someone says, hey, can you come up here and tell us a little bit about your business? Do it. I know some people sweat and they may not even remember talking when they come back off that stage. What a huge opportunity. But a lot of people won't do it. They really rather die Literally, there, there's these sayings about people are more fearful of, of, of speaking in public than they are of dying. I agree. My, my mom taught me early on, you either win or you learn. One of the two. Hmm. So even if you go crash and burn, you can learn from it and you're going to get better. So as long as you don't die, you're golden. That I mean, they even taught us that in entrepreneurship school. As long as, even if the company goes out of business, as long as you have the capital and the wherewithal to start again you've now learned a lesson out of that that's not a failure that's a lesson yes what doesn't kill you makes you stronger i totally totally believe in that and to help people along because a lot of people don't quite understand it so i say hey have you ever gone to the gym to work out have you ever tried to build muscle and they're like yeah i said well you do realize you have to tear the muscle down and then feed it in order for it to get bigger Okay, it just doesn't get bigger. You have to actually beat on it, right? You have to make it uncomfortable. That's why you need that ibuprofen maybe the next day, right? Yeah, it's it's muscle failure is a term. Mm -hmm. And you have to get to muscle failure in order to grow. Yeah, this is a great conversation. People really need to become uncomfortable. And it's easy for us to say there are still some things that maybe I wouldn't do. I'm not one to jump out of an airplane. Some people maybe, like Lee, I think likes the thought of jumping out of an airplane. I know my wife does, but she hasn't done it. As a matter of fact, what's interesting is she had two scheduled flights to jump out of a plane, and they were both canceled because of weather. So maybe she shouldn't. I don't know. Maybe that's just a sign, right? I don't know anyone who's gotten up on stage and died of fright. I'm sure somewhere someone's had a stroke or heart attack. Fine, but th- that could happen in the bathtub. So it's it's the reason why I wanted to get Lee on the show today is because of the subject of of dive into it. What do you got to lose? And a guy who's 20 years old doesn't have a lot to lose. Now, I'll I'll quickly tell you my story. Lee might not even know this story, but I left the corporate world in 2003. I was about 37 years old. And I quit my perfectly good job. My wife was pregnant and we had a two-year-old and I was the primary income earner. And I cut the umbilical cord. We moved from Rhode Island to Texas. And in my mid-30s, went cold turkey. My six-figure income job went bye-bye overnight and I dove into it. Some people say, boy, are you brave. I'm like, what did I have to lose? So yes, I had some mouths to feed. But they were young. They weren't going to college. They weren't driving cars. They weren't. I mean, it was just diapers. And I was in my mid thirties. I could have gotten another job. Yeah, I think entrepreneurship sometimes comes from that. Of what do I got to lose? Because for me, I mean, I could, I could not eat. Sure. <laughs> that was my point of that. Now's the time. I can skip a meal. No one's going to hurt. 
Now, if I have a wife and kids like you, that's a lot more bravery than even what I did. It was like, what's the hurt? I could sleep on the floor of my friend's house if I had to. I, it's happened. It's not a big deal. And I totally agree. My son uh, is is a senior at Texas Tech, and he's studying finance, and he really wants to become an entrepreneur. I'm encouraging him to go get a job first, but even if he didn't, okay, he's going to have to learn the hard way on how to how to build a business without having any experience. But he's not going to die. He's yeah. one guy. He doesn't have a family. <laughs> Someone's going to take him in. He'll make money somewhere just to pay rent somewhere or share rent. Right. It's the perfect time to invest your time as capital. Because yeah. what's the, like you said, what's the worst that can happen? Nothing. Now, later on, when he has two kids and a wife, maybe a, <laughs> one way or the other. But yeah, it's there, there's a time and a place for everything. And I think as you get older and the kids leave, then you may get back to that spot again of what do I have to lose? It's interesting you say that because that's always been my plan. I spent a lot of time with my children and my parents during my 40s and 50s. Now that my kids are gone, my parents are still with us, though, so which is great. But I thought yeah. I thought everybody would be gone. And uh, they all seem to be lingering, which is just fine. But I had a plan for that last chapter, last 10 or 15 year push of, of, of doing something I hadn't done before. But what's really nice about it, everybody, is when you are seasoned like myself, meaning I've done a lot of things over, gosh, I've been working for 35 years probably. So I've got those 35 years of work experience to draw from uh, to do something possibly a little bit new and different. And also, I do have some security, though, because I have built some wealth over time. So I do have that security. Because I got some really good advice from it's another chimney sweep in Nashville called Mark Stoner, where he said, look, early in your life, you need to go hard. Mm. When you have kids and everything else and they're in baseball and everything else. You need to pull back. You know, yes, you need to run your businesses and everything else, but you need to spend time with them because you'll never get that time again. And once they're gone, you need to go hard again. He is 100% right. That's exactly how I've lived my life, and I have no regrets. You know, Lee, that saying when the old guy's on the deathbed, they almost never say, I wish I spent more time at the office. And right. so what happens to a lot of us when we're in our 30s, 40s, and 50s, we're still young, the testosterone's pumping, making more money than ever, especially in our 40s and 50s. Our identity is often what we do, but we have made a decision years prior in vows to our spouse, and we decided to raise children together, there's a responsibility for that. And if you go to my Facebook page, it does say I'm an entrepreneur, but the first thing it says is I'm a husband and a father. And then I go into the entrepreneur and everything else I do. And I don't want to get too deep on that, but we really need to be good citizens. We need to be good to our family, and we need to be good to our customers and good to ourselves. What you said about that guy from Nashville, that's exactly what I feel too. When you're young, you can actually be selfish with your time because no harm, no foul. There's no one else in your life, so it's not selfish. It's just you. But once you make that commitment to the family or to or or a business partner, whatever it is, then, then you have some responsibility. But if you're on your own and you're out there, go for it. I suggest in your 20s, early 30s, go nuts. I didn't have my first kid till I was 35. I had a fair amount of time, but I was caught up in the corporate world, which I don't regret. I learned a lot there. But my point is, is take care of that business early on, like you had mentioned. And if anyone really wanted advice, I said, hey, how should I plan my life? I want to get married and I want to have kids. This might be a young man, for instance. I would say, well, do you know who you want to marry yet? Nope. I would say, all right, go crazy in your business if you want to build a business in your 20s, early 30s. Get married by 
33, 34, 35, start having kids. We can all do it older now. But as a guy, you can really just tear it up and make all those mistakes. Skin your knees and your elbows while you're young. That's exactly kind of what I did on accident. Mm. I mean, and I, and I think a lot of the opportunities we have in life, very few people have a perfect planned out life where it goes exactly as planned. Well, no, we have a plan, but but we have to adjust. Yeah, until you get hit in the face, right? What is that, Mike Tyson? Whoa. Everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Yep, yep. <laughs> it's yep. what life is. I mean, my dad used to tell me, life is just what you do when you plan when you plan to do something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just it's you have to figure out, you have to adjust, you have to be moldable, and you never know what's coming along, and you just can't. I, I never intended to be a chimney guy. This is not what I wanted to be when I was a little kid. But you, you have to take the opportunities as they come. And, and I'm not, I'm kind of in the belief that stuff comes to you the way it's supposed to come. It's just a matter of how you deal with it. Absolutely. I don't know if you know this, but palm trees are designed to move with the wind. And when there's hurricanes, they'll do this. And we're like a palm tree. When that storm comes, we need to be able to go all the way down to the ground and then pop back up like nothing happened. And unless it's a real brutal hurricane, you'll see those palm trees still stand because they will go all the way down to the ground and back up again. And we need to be able to do that as well, Lee. Yeah, it strengthens roots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. Absolutely, yeah. And I, and I kind of believe that you don't even know what good is until you know what bad is. Once you've been to the bottom, you know what when you're at the top. It's, it's, it's hard to enjoy it when you're always at the top. Oh, yeah. You you have to feel pain to gain. There's that T-shirt, no pain, no gain. I encourage young people all the time, and I'm talking like teenagers, you know, end up. Get a job. I hope you get fired from that job. Get a girlfriend or boyfriend. I hope they dump you. They're like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, trust me, this is going to build up your, your endurance. This is going to make you not a callous person, hopefully. It's going to build you up, and you will know what it— it's like to lose. You have to lose in order to understand the win. But if you're always winning, it's like you hear about these trust fund babies. Well, that guy never worked a day in his life. And that may be a problem. Right. I, I encourage my kids to do music, theater, get up on stage and bomb. You know, go to an audition for music and bomb. And you know what? You're alive. It doesn't feel good. I mean, but you're going to, as long as you can get back up on your feet, you're good. But the next time, you're less likely to make that mistake again. And it's tearing that muscle. That muscle hurts. It's tearing the muscle. But next time you're back up on stage, the muscle is stronger and you feel more confident. Very few people can all of a sudden do something real well. You know, a lot of people say, I'm going to write a book. And they start like, ah, I'm not good at this. Trust me, anyone can write a book. You just have to do it. And, And if the first book sucks, write another one or rewrite that one. Maybe have someone help you edit it next time. And by doing all that, you're going to learn more. I could go on and on about how important it is to read and write both Mm -hmm. so you learn more. We learn X amount by sitting in the classroom and listening. Then we learn a little bit more by writing it down. And then we learn a whole lot more by getting up in front of the class and teaching it. Right. I love to research uh, very successful people, too, and learn about all the times they failed. Mm. Over and over. No one ever talks about it much. Well, the Edison story, we all heard the 10,000, I think, is the number they throw out, the light bulb deal. But I don't know if that's true or not, but I wouldn't call him a failure. But he he worked so hard, not everything came about immediately. Sure. I mean, Michael Jordan, how many game-winning shots he misses? You don't remember those. You remember the wins. Yeah. And his high school career, he, he, he wasn't favored when he was young. Look at Tom Brady when he first, you know, was picked. 
they didn't expect him to be the Tom Brady is today. He was a backup um, of Michigan. Yeah, and and so you know it's interesting, and I truly believe, and I'm going to leave it at this: try stuff, push hard. Be that 20-year-old college kid who ends up in someone's home and bids $150,000, I think it was, and has had no idea about the industry, had no idea how to get the job done, but ultimately you did get the job done. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you, you, have, to, you have to tread water, so you figure it out. It's called fake it till you make it. Yeah, <laughs> Well, absolutely. In that of. case, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Lee Roth, thank you so much. Lord's Chimney. Hey, check out his company. Go to Google and type in Lord's Chimney. He's in Houston, Texas. He's been doing this for about 20 years. Great guy. It is a great business. And when we get you back on again, I want to talk about how you differentiate yourself from everyone else and how you actually have a successful chimney suite business in the southern part of our country, because that's a story in itself. Thank you, Lee. I appreciate it. Thank you.